Now that one of the state's major trash burning plants has been closed, Connecticut is looking for ways to reduce waste, including widespread composting. But some say the bill that's currently on the table doesn't go far enough. Ann Godwa of the Sierra Club says the state should oversee how companies are managing their packaging and recycling. So from the beginning where you would make sure it was made sustainably, make sure it was made with recycled materials to when it goes out into the public and responsibility for bringing it back in to be either recycled or disposed of. According to the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, 23 percent of municipal solid waste is paper and 12 percent is plastic. Hey, happy Monday. You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news update from the Connecticut, New York region. A bill in Connecticut would change how juveniles in custody are interrogated. New York officials question pharmacy chains about access to abortion medication. And a controversy in Connecticut over the construction of a new elementary and middle school. Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Connecticut lawmakers will consider a bill that would stop law enforcement from using deceptive tactics when interrogating minors. WSHU's Davis Donovan has more from a public hearing today. Advocates at a public hearing told lawmakers the bill would make interrogations fairer. Robert Goodrich is with Radical Advocates for Cross-Cultural Education. When a police officer engages in a deceptive practice and leverages the power dynamics of their position to, to potentially hurt an individual and the outcome for that individual is a negative one, they should be punished. Advocates say these confessions are often false and only given to stop the interrogation. If the bill passes, police interviews with minors in which the officer knowingly used false facts would be unusable in court. Davis Donovan, WSHU News. In New York, Governor Hochul and the Attorney General are asking the nation's three largest pharmacy chains about their plans to dispense one of two key medicines used for medication abortion. This comes after Walgreens has said it will not sell the pill in 21 states where abortion is no longer legal. Karen DeWitt reports. Walgreens stopped the sale of mufapristone, one of two drugs used in a medication-induced abortion, after attorneys generals in those states threatened the pharmacy chains with legal repercussions. CVS and Rite Aid have not yet said what they will do. Governor Hochul and New York Attorney General James have written a letter to the heads of the pharmacy chains, putting pressure on them from the other side of the abortion debate. In it, they ask the chains to commit to making medication abortion available in retail and mail-order pharmacies across New York State, where abortion is legal. Hochul, speaking on CNN, says access to the medicines have become even more critical after the U.S. Supreme Court last year in the Dobbs decision reversed nearly 50 years of abortion rights protections. Basically, pharmacies have become the new battleground ever since women's rights were stripped in the overturning of Roe v. Wade last June. So we want to make sure we send a preemptive message that despite the threats that you're receiving from Republican attorneys general, that here in states like New York, these rights are protected. We're going to go to the mat and protect them every inch of the way. And if they try to suspend the distribution of this important drug to women in the state of New York, there'll be consequences. A federal judge in Texas is deciding a case that could outlaw mufapristone in all of the states. A lawsuit filed there claims the Federal Food and Drug Administration aired when it approved the drug decades ago. 
Hochul says if the judge rules against the use of the drug, she and the attorney general will explore legal remedies to allow women in New York to still have access to both pills. We'll make sure that we pursue every remedy available to us to make sure that women in the state of New York at least are protected. But it is heartbreaking. Abortions can still be induced using only the second drug in the regimen, misoprostol, but that method is more painful and poses more health and safety dangers to pregnant people. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Connecticut College students who occupied a key building on campus this month to call for the resignation of President Catherine Bergeron have gone home for spring break this week. Students and faculty have called for Bergeron to be removed after the school's chief diversity officer resigned in protest over a proposed college fundraiser at a Florida club that faces allegations of racism and anti-Semitism. Kartya Christensen is an editor at the student newspaper, The College Voice. She says she expects the on-campus group Student Voices for Equity to resume protests next week. I don't know if I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't know if I'm optimistic or not at this point, but I can say that I am very proud of what we've done. I think SV especially has given students such a powerful force to get behind and along with staff, faculty and alumni support, I think we'll see what happens next. An independent investigation commissioned by the Board of Trustees is underway into the accusations against the school president for mismanagement and bullying tactics. The town of Willington, Connecticut, is looking to build a new elementary and middle school, but some have taken issue with where it could be built. That's coming up after headlines and a message from our supporter. Support for After All Things comes from Hartford HealthCare. More COVID vaccine answers at hartfordhealthcare.org slash vaccine or 833-621-0600. The National Weather Service says that a powerful nor'easter could drop 18 inches of snow in parts of Connecticut and strong winds could bring down power lines and tree limbs. Winter storm warnings are in effect for Litchfield, Tolland, and Wyndham counties, while Hartford County is in a winter storm watch. Snow could fall at a rate of one to two inches per hour, and areas along the shoreline could see one to three inches of snow. Long Island is expecting heavy rains through Tuesday. On Long Island, 2022 brought nearly 49,000 new jobs to the regional labor market. That's 10,000 more jobs compared to New York's Labor Department estimates. And statewide, private sector jobs increased by nearly 24,000 in January. The Patchog Medford High School on Long Island was closed today following an unspecified threat against the school. Officials say the threat was unsubstantiated, but that Suffolk County police closed the school out of an abundance of caution. No other schools were mentioned in the threat, and all other schools in the district remain open. Willington, Connecticut, could build new schools on land owned by the family of first select woman Erica Wisensky. Despite the criticism from residents, Wisensky has been defending herself. Andrew Brown is an investigative reporter with the Connecticut Mirror. He spoke with WSHU's Molly Ingram about the complicated situation. The town of Willington is looking to build a new elementary and middle school, but some have taken issue with where it could be built. 
Why is that? Uh, the simple answer is that this land acquisition that they are making or want to make for the school is a piece of property that is owned by the first select woman's family. Erica Wazinski is in her third term as Willington's first select woman. And last fall, a school building committee, which she was participating in, chose to sign a letter of intent for a piece of property that her mother-in-law owns. That 65-acre piece of property was chosen after a long kind of process of going through potential properties throughout town, and the school building committee voted to sign that letter of intent last November. That's, that's the short answer of why this uh, school referendum has become so complicated. And what has Winzinski's reaction to all of this been? The first select woman has defended herself by pointing out that she recused herself or abstained from voting on the letter of intent that was signed between the town and her family. During a meeting last December, she addressed some of the concerns that town residents were raising over conflicts of interest and what some people have alleged to be corruption, saying, you know, saying that uh, she tried to absolve herself, you know, and remove herself from any decision making process that affected her family and that uh, she was simply trying to um, balance her role as first select woman and her family's involvement in this new school. So she very publicly addressed some of the concerns that residents had, but the issue has not gone away since then. In your article, you mentioned some of the reactions from other town officials. Can you tell us about them? Yeah. Many of the people who were on the school building committee, including the now chairman, um, Michael McCoo, have defended the town's process for, you know, in selecting the first select woman's family's uh, land. He has explained publicly that they they looked at over 120 different properties at a high level to try to figure out where to locate a new school or where they could locate a new school. And he has since explained that, um, you know, they had a short list of four finalist properties and that after scoring those properties based on a bunch of different criteria, the first select woman's family's property was the best suited for a new school. Many town residents, however, their concern is that much of the discussion about where to locate this new school and which property to purchase for a new school, those decisions were largely made behind closed doors. Most of the discussion over more than half a year was in executive session. And so town residents really had no transparency into how the town selected um, this piece of property up until November. Uh, you know, it wasn't even known that they were looking at the first select woman's property until that same month. And then word started to get out in town that that the first select woman's family was somehow involved. So at that point, a, a town resident actually brought it up during a meeting and it became a little awkward kind of on the meeting. Everybody went silent and the town resident is essentially explained to the school building committee that, you know, he wanted to see a new school built, but if uh, that was going to happen, that they would have to have good answers for the decisions that they made. And so that kind of started the debate in town and, and it's only progressed since then. So town residents are going to a referendum later this month um, to ultimately decide whether this school gets built and whether the property gets purchased. So the voters will get a say in all of this at the end of the day. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew Brown is an investigative reporter for the Connecticut Mirror. I'm Molly Ingram.
for the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or anytime online at WSHU.org or with the WSHU app. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And whether it's news, classical music, or podcasts like this, it's all made possible with the generous support of listeners like you. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing this podcast with your friends. I'm Sabrina Garone. Have a great rest of your evening. Be safe. I'll talk to you tomorrow.